Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Hey, that was fun for me because that was my boy. Come on. He doesn't do that very often, but I, I was excited to see him. And there was something in there that was just very cute for mom and I that you don't know about. Maybe the rest of you heard it, but for mom and I, it was cute. It was like, yes, he's still our little boy. And uh, <clears throat> girls, he is taken. His mama has his heart, so stay away. Very good. Well, uh, today we are, uh, we're about to do baptisms in just a moment, but first, um, well, I, I'm going to talk about baptism because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Baptism uh, is often um, minimized in modern church culture, and I, I just think it's a huge deal. So we're going to talk about baptism, but before I do, I just want to encourage you that next Sunday is our legacy offering as a church, and uh, if you consider this church your home church, we're asking you to come and to bring your best. Um, if you don't consider this your home church or you don't want to give or whatever, still come. We're going to party. We're going to have fun. Uh, it's really not going to be um, a typical church service at all. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So come on out uh, next Sunday, and we're going to have a really good time together. And, um, and I just want to encourage you if, you, if you are somebody that the Lord's been uh, tugging away at your heart to give, uh, I really want, want to encourage you to give. You know, this building was a gift from God to this church, okay? But I also want to say this building was a gift from a couple, a person, from a person had this as an asset and gave it to the church. God gave it to the church through a person. Does that make sense? And, uh, and that's the way the kingdom of God works. Often we just sort of assume that there's this trust fund in the sky that God does everything through. No, it's a trust fund on the ground. It's us. It's a living, breathing trust fund from Jesus, and we're the ones that make the kingdom of God move forward. And so I just encourage you, join us. We want to be faithful to this gift that has been given to this house, and, um, and in doing so, we want, to, we want to knock out this wall and um, add uh, more stuff and, and really uh, be able to reach a lot more people for Jesus. And um, is that all right? Okay. Very good. Very good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're all right with it, because that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, well, good. Um, today I'm going to talk about baptism. Um, it's really one of my favorite things to talk about is baptism. And I like to talk about baptism because in our American church culture, we minimize baptism. We work really hard to 
parse out the difference between salvation and baptism? At what point uh, is the blood of Jesus applied to our life? And when, when, how far do I need to go in this Christian thing before, uh, b- before I've gone too far, right? <laughs> like, like, I just want to go just, just enough that I'm saved, right? I just want to get saved. How, what do I need to do to get saved? And I want to say, if that's your perspective, if that's your approach to this whole thing, is, is I want to do whatever it takes to avoid burning in hell, right? Like, then you, you miss the whole point altogether, okay? You miss the whole point. And, uh, and really, it's not about avoiding something. It's really about gaining something. And it's not so much about finding a, a specific finish line that we have to cross that suddenly... Uh, we, we no longer do anything else in our walk with God. It's really about a posture and an approach to God that continually follows after whatever he asks of us. I've got one person that agrees with me. By the end of it, I'll have the rest of you. <clears throat> Here's what, you, what it says in Jude chapter 1, verse 4. It says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, and they deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The writer of Jude is is concerned that there are people who have crept into the body of Christ that, that really use the gift of grace of God to prevent people from really going further into God. Using the the gift of grace as a license to go no further than the very basic minimum things that are accepted in the faith. And, And in our socially acceptable faith, what we do is we blur the lines. As American Christians, we're great at this. We blur the lines in, a t- in an attempt to make sure that no one ever uh, is concerned that maybe you're going too far. We, we, what we want to do is we want to make sure we're on the side of, of, of being casual in our faith rather than being on the side of being uh, aggressive in our faith. This is, this is what tends to happen in the American church. And this all begins, I was talking with my brother-in-law, we had both listened to a a separate podcast, or a same podcast, separately, and we're listening, and we're discussing this, and um, and it it was really an interesting uh, idea, it was uh, a... Tim Keller's podcast, he was talking about this idea of the halfway covenant, which I had heard of this before, but had really never thought too much about it, and it's this, that... In the 1600s in New England, as, as people were moving to America in the 1600s, they were, they were, for the vast majority, they were believers. They were Christian believers that were moving to this country and founding a new country. And what happened quickly in New England was, in order to be a person that voted, so in order to have voting rights, you needed to be a member of the church. Which for some of us, we're like, yes, that's right. And for some of us, we're like, oh, no, that's a bad idea. <clears throat> right? And so you had to be a member of the church to vote. And quickly, they were able to establish sort of moral principles and this sort of thing as their legislative guidelines. But what happened is these people that moved from Europe to America that required you to be a member of a church 
The thing is that to be a member of the church, you had to do more than simply believe the tenets of the Christian faith. You had to believe the tenets of the Christian faith, and you had to have had a conversion experience. Like an actual experience you can point to when, you, when your life transformed under the power of God. Whatever that might have looked like, something that was visible from the people outside of you that they could say, yes, he or she has had a conversion experience. It's not just mental exercise for them. They've really experienced something, right? Well, what happened is these people's children, they, they would have lots of kids, right? Eight, nine kids at a time, and uh, they're having all these kids. Well, what would happen is all these kids would be raised in the church, but not all of them would have a conversion experience, and so many of them, in fact, it grew to a large number. Many of them were members of the church. They were moral people. They believed in the Bible, but they could not point to a conversion experience in their life. So what that meant was by the end of the 1600s, 80% of New England couldn't vote. So they needed to come up with a new option. How do we keep the government running how do we represent everybody? What do we do? And so the church created a thing called a halfway covenant. It was a covenant that said, I'm halfway there. In a sense, in its essential form, that's what it means. It means they got to a place where they said, I've believed the Christian faith. I have this sort of mental assent towards it. I am a moral person. I've never really experienced a conversion moment, but I'm halfway there. So the church did that to allow more people into the church so that everyone could vote. And it changed the trajectory of American Christianity. So that now we live in a world where, for the most part, most American Christians are thinking in terms of, what is the minimum I need in order to be saved, to be a member, to be a part? Whose hand do I shake? What aisle do I walk down? What do I do? What's the minimum that I do? And I just want to say that's, that's not the intent of Scripture at all. The, the intent of Scripture is that you would have an encounter with the living God. That's the point of this whole thing. Because if I tell you you can become a Christian by shaking someone's hand, you will always have problems in your walk with God. And you're going to also create problems for anyone who ever tries to pastor you. N.T. <laughs> Wright says it like this. He says, people of other faiths recognize the huge importance of baptism better than we as Christians recognize it ourselves. And what he means is this, is that in, in foreign worlds, like in, in the Middle East, when you become a Christian and you become baptized... You are, you are voluntarily accepting a death sentence. This is why the, the Christians in, in, in certain, area, certain regions of Africa or Indonesia, different places, they do baptism ceremonies in China. They do baptism ceremonies in the middle of the night in, in, a, in a remote destination, and they, they don't all come together. They come from different places and the reason is because in the rest of the world, when you become, when you're baptized, it's a mark. It's a line in the sand that goes beyond saying, I just mentally assent to this thing, to saying, I'm all in on this thing. It's, it's really a big deal. 
it's, it's the enchilada, or it's certainly part of the enchilada. There's this, this great portion in, in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read it, actually. I'm just going to read it to you. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? The idea is this. You're saved by grace, right? And, and, and where sin is, grace is more, right? Where sin is, grace is more. So, so, so am I supposed to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized... We're baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death. So when we're baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him, uh, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. He's saying that the, the idea of baptism goes beyond just getting wet. It goes beyond just doing some sort of a, 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 a sign for everyone around you to recognize that, that I am now a Christian. There's, there's an association with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus that's not just a mental ascent, but it's a tangible, symbolic expression of what's already happened in eternity. It, it says this in, in, later in that same chapter. It says in verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. He says, we're not to continue in sin. The Greek there would mean like, let it never be so. Let it never be so. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? He's saying, whoever you present yourself to, you can, you can present yourself to this world as a slave and you will lead, it will lead you towards spiritual death. Or you can present yourself as a slave to God and it will lead you towards obedience. I think so often we, we like to make the line of uh, baptism isn't the actual point. Like it's, it's a repentant heart towards God that saves us. I think what we do is, is in our attempt to prove a point, we overstate a point. Yes, like we can, we can parse out all the distinct pieces here, but that's not what the New Testament authors told the early church to do. They, they didn't say, let's parse out all the, the intricacies so that we have all the data points of when we are or are not saved and what does this and what does not do that. For the New Testament church, it looked like this. When they asked Peter, they said, what should we do in Acts chapter 2? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and to your children and to all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God shall call to himself. And what doesn't happen is the church doesn't say, okay, so, so hold on. So we've got a few items here. Let's, uh, let's figure out what happens where. Uh, how much do I really need in my life? 
No, no, what they do is they just, they obey. They obey the call of the Lord to, to repent. And today what, what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to call to some people that I believe have genuine faith in the Lord and say, your genuine faith in the Lord is true, but the Lord has more for you. Your next step when you have faith in Christ, it's not join a small group. It's not go through a discipleship program. It's not memorize all the books of the Bible. Your very next step after faith in Jesus Christ is baptism. It's baptism. That's, that's what it is. And so today, maybe for somebody, you feel like I'm kind of confronting you a little bit, which I felt like Bronson was confronting us. Like having a large Hawaiian tell us about money is a little intimidating. Can we, can we just all agree about that? <clears throat> He's just excited about next week, I could tell. But, 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 but I might be confronting a little bit right now, confronting some ideas in your mind that say, I, I, uh, I don't need any more. I have people ask me this all the time. So you're saying I have to do this to be saved? No, I'm not saying you have to do it to be saved. What I'm saying is it is the next step in your salvation. It's the next thing you should be doing. And if we have a family member that is stuck in addiction of some sort, alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addiction, whatever it may be, and we never confront them, what we're really doing is enabling them. And, and I think the American church has done a fantastic job enabling a generation of believers to just go the bare minimum in their walk with God and never really step into what God asks of them. Grace doesn't enable. Grace empowers. It's the empowering presence of God that gives me both the strength and the will to do what he calls me to do. That's what grace really is. It's, it's God giving us strength to do what he calls us to do, not, not just something that gives us a, a certificate that says we don't need anything else in our lives. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Another trend, I love the King James here. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> like, Paul is so funny. He's like, I don't, you're ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to misunderstand this, brothers and sisters. Brethren and sisters. That our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What, what Paul is saying is this. I don't want you to miss this point. Everyone who came out of Egypt, they all went through the same process. None of them said, no, 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 no I'm freed from my master, but I'm going to stay on the Egyptian side of the water. No. All of them were baptized through the Red Sea. <clears throat> Pharaoh, or, 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 and so we have, we have options here. You can either stay with Pharaoh or you can follow the process that God gives them. Right? You, can, you can do one or, one or the other. And, and really, that's the way it is with baptism. You do have options when it comes to baptism. Right? In, in, in the scripture, there's this... This passage that tells us about a thief. There's a thief at a cross when Jesus is dying. There's a thief on the cross, and without being baptized, Jesus tells this guy, he says, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. 
So you have options. You can go to a cross or you can be baptized. I joke. But but he calls the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It is a baptism of the sea. The scripture tells us that like what happened in the Old Testament was it was types and shadows of what we see in the New Testament. In, in Exodus chapter 14, this is where it happens. He says, uh, 14 verse 8, it says, and, the, and I, I don't have it on your screen. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. Isn't it true that the moment you decided you were going to live for God, like it just, it was like there was something that resisted it. For somebody, maybe next week, you plan on giving a large offering, and you and your wife, you've never done something this big, and you're planning, we're going to do something big, and I promise you, every reason to not give has shown up in the last two weeks. I promise you, like, like your, your tire broke, your, your, your car stopped running, like your kids need money, like it, every reason shows up. And the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them and camped at the sea by Fifathrathra and in, <laughs> in front of Baal Zephron. <clears throat> and when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said, God, like, like, you have saved us. You Because that's what happens. The Lord says, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to save you from the Egyptians. And he marches them halfway into deliverance. And they're stuck between the, the, the sea and the Egyptian army. Has anybody ever experienced that? Like you, like you gave your life to Jesus. You had a moment where we said, let's repent and believe. And so you did it. You said, I will repent and believe. And then what happens is three weeks later, you say, why am I still facing the same thing that I used to face? What's going on? It's because the enemy of your soul isn't going to let you just walk away into freedom. He's going to try to chase you. He's, he's going to try to stop you. And the Egyptians pursued them, and Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them. I already read that part because I recognize I can't read those words. <clears throat> and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out, up out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For, if we would have, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
so many believers, they, 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 they get into the, the faith life. They get, they get moving into it. And then they think, it would have just been a whole lot easier for me to just keep sinning the way I was sinning and just die the way I was dying than to try to do this faith life thing. And I'm saying that we can be stuck between our past and our future. And all it takes is a simple step that God is, God is saying, I've got more for your walk with God. He's saying your walk with God is not just a simple single step. It's not just a, a static moment, but it's a dynamic relationship that continues and grows, and we need to nurture it, and we need to walk with him, and we need to grow in our own faith life. But if we buy into this, this, this sort of American belief that, no, 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 it's really, it's just a, a handshake I do, and then I stop right there, you're going to be so frustrated as a believer. Because the truth is you need to grow in this thing. You need, to, you need to build this thing. You need to allow the word of God to wash over your heart and your mind. Like, like this is why I read my Bible. Because when I read my Bible, it's like sandpaper on my calloused soul. Like not the real heavy grit stuff sometimes. But usually it's a lot finer than that. And it's the Lord just kind of just rubbing off the, the, the pointy areas of my life, just, just cleaning things up a little bit. Because inside of me, there's really no good thing except for this. And so I've got, I've got to ingest this into my life. So the children of Israel, they're, they're running and they're saying, it would have been better. Like, I wish you had a better plan. Because now, like, there wasn't enough graves in Egypt. We're going to put graves, unmarked tombs in the wilderness now. But God had a bigger plan because God's goal was not to simply save them from slavery and then allow them to die. It was to save them from slavery and then to cross them over into a promised land. Abraham, he responds like this, or Moses, sorry, responds like this, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you, and you will have only to be silent. He's saying you're not going to have to wrestle. It's not going to be a struggle. It's not going to be a fighting match. If you would just trust and see the salvation of God today you will see that he truly is faithful to deliver those that he says he's going to deliver. It goes on, it says this, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night, and he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And somebody's like, you actually believe that? Like, like, yes, I do. Like, that's a miracle. You say, well, that's not, I watched a documentary, and it's only like three feet deep. Like, it was no miracle. It was three feet deep water. Well, then that's an even bigger miracle. Because that means the Lord killed the entire Egyptian army in three feet of water. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, and all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning, watched the Lord in the pillar of the fire, and a cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces. 
and he threw the Egyptians' forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they could, uh, so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, "Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." And then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen." And so Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning had appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered, and the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, and not one of them remained. And thus the Lord said to Israel that day, from the ha- save them from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians only dead on the seashore. I'm just telling somebody today, I don't know what you've been struggling with. Like you've been a Christian, you've been a believer, you've been doing this thing, but it seems as though your past is continually following after you. It seems as though the old haunts, the old desires, the old uh, addictions are constantly following after you. I want you to know that God has a plan for you and it includes erasing the past, getting rid of the things behind, forgetting those things in the in the old days and looking forward to what's coming in the new days. I'm, I'm I'm just telling somebody today that God has a plan to deal with the things that still hold you down. doesn't want me to yell. <clears throat> you can be saved from Egypt, but God doesn't want you to simply be saved from Egypt. He wants you to now see your past as nothing but corpses on the seashore. I'm saying that old addiction, that old behavior, those old things that you've, you've turned away from them. You've said, God, I don't want those in my life anymore. And the Lord wants to remove those things from your life once and for all. So what he says, he says, this, is, this was a baptism that the, the children of, of Israel experienced. Listen, there's, there's nothing that will scare you more than, than a dead body. But the truth is it can't hurt you. And you may drive past that same house that you used to buy stuff at, and you think, man, it just, I don't know if I can make it anymore, but I'm telling you, somebody that has been transformed, they drive past that old house and they can say, man, that thing has no more power. You might be the, the kind of man that's unable to control his eyes and, and, and you see a pretty girl walk by and, 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 and there's this power that says, no, that thing's dead to me now. I can be a new creature in Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says it like this. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And right now everybody's saying, okay, so which point is it at? Which point? No, 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 you're missing the point. The point is we're supposed to believe and be baptized. Believe and 
be baptized. This is what the early church did. This is what the early church experienced. There's a, a book in your Bible uh, called Acts. Acts is in the New Testament. It is the history of the early church. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, we're told that 3,000 people are baptized that day. In Acts chapter 8, well, we experience that Jesus, or that, that Philip is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ, and all the people that heard him, both men and women, were baptized. In, ch- in 8 chapter 36, they traveled on the lo- on, along on a road with, uh, there's an Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch looks down and he says, look, here's a lot of water. What prevents me from being baptized? And So they got baptized in water. In Acts chapter 9, uh, the scripture says that immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could, uh, he could see again and he got up and was baptized. In Acts chapter 10, while Peter was preaching, Cornelius' household got up and was baptized. In Acts chapter 16, those who were listening, one of them was a, a woman from Thyatira named Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth, and she was a worshiper of God. She, she had faith. She believed. She loved the Lord. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message when she and the members of her household were baptized. And then in Acts chapter 18, uh, Paul left the synagogue and he went next door to the house of uh, Titus, Justice, uh, a worshiper of God. And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue and his entire household, believed the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul, and they were all baptized. In Acts chapter 19, this question is asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were Uh, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Which is a very interesting question to ponder. He says, then how were you, because the answer was no, we did not receive the Spirit when we believed. And so then the question is, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And he responded, he said, John baptized unto repentance. But he told the people to believe on the one who was coming after him, and that is Jesus Christ. And on hearing this, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Spirit. In Acts 16, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord. And the jailer and all of his household were immediately baptized. I'm saying this to tell somebody today, like, you you may be a believer today. Your next step is baptism. It would be like God freeing you from Egypt, but you saying, I don't want to cross through the Red Sea. No, technically I'm free. Technically I'm free. Yes, but God has more. God's purpose for you isn't to make you free. The God's purpose for you is to bring you into promise. And to get to promise, you've got to walk through the waters of baptism. So I'm asking somebody today, would you go back to the basics? Would you go back to the foundations? Your faith has been in Christ. I acknowledge that. Genuine faith. But go back to the foundations of what it really looks like. I know for me, 
as a young boy, I, I was baptized on January 19th, 1991. I, um, I had tubes in my ears at the time, so I couldn't go under the water. So what I did is I took cotton balls. And I took cotton balls, and my, my parents uh, put, put Vaseline around the cotton balls and stuck them in my ears. I remember this because I was super embarrassed about it. But it was a, a marker in my life. It wasn't a generic, I, I'm pretty sure I'm saved. I've responded to the pastor. It was, no, I have entered into the waters of baptism and identified with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As the band would come, I, I've seen a lot of, um, over the years I've seen many believers that, that just say, you know what, I, I'm good enough. I'm a believer but I don't, I don't need to get baptized. I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. And what that makes me think of is, is when I go to a place like Burger King, you know, the one in Caldwell? On the, uh, what's that exit there? With the 2026 exit. I remember going to that Burger King one time, and I went in, and I, I asked the girl that was working there, she was super skinny. I should have known, right? Like, I was like, hey, what's your favorite thing on the menu? Because this is how I like to order. I like to find out what the person that should be the expert likes. What's your favorite thing on the menu? And she told me, oh, I don't eat here. <laughs> this is Burger King. I was like, girl, <laughs> you're passing out burgers that you won't eat yourself. And we've got Christians that are trying to pass out burgers that they won't eat themselves. We've got Christians trying to cast out demons in a desert, and they haven't even crossed the water yet. I just want to challenge you today. If you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Or as my son said in the announcements, like he, so used, like he used to when he was a little kid, baptized. So cute. So I say it right now, I say, there are, there's going to be just a moment, there's going to be people get up and they're going to go get changed to be baptized. And maybe you're in the room and you are a believer. Or you feel like maybe that is my next step to be baptized. But we have all these excuses, don't we? Reasons why we shouldn't. One, one big excuse why we don't get baptized is religion. It's all about religion. We just, I, I've just, I've got it set in my head. This is how it goes. This is what it does. And I'm saying, no, no, it's, this is not about some sort of work that you're trying to accomplish. It is simply obedience to what God says. Another big excuse why we don't get baptized is pride. We say, like, I just got my, I got my own thing worked out with God. No, you don't. You don't have your own thing worked out with God. And I just pray that, that that wall of pride that separates you from experiencing the obedience of Christ, let it go away. Because the Bible says that the scripture is of no private interpretation. You do not have some special thing worked out with God. We don't get to make our own arrangements with him. Uh, our response to him is this, like, we submit and obey. That sounds so harsh, Pastor. 
Have you been a parent yet? Because when you're a parent, you understand that one. Submit and obey. I said mow the lawn. I've said it twice. Maybe for somebody they would say, like, I don't want to be baptized because I've already been baptized. I was baptized as a child. And I would say to you in response to that, like, that's fantastic. But what you need to understand is baptism is a response of personal faith. And so when you are baptized as a child, what that is is your mom or your dad or both having faith that they are hoping you will grab on to one day. They're, they're saying, we hope that this child will one day live out a life of faith. It's similar to what we do when we do child dedications. We bring them up here and we dedicate them to the Lord. That's what was going on when you were baptized as a child. But biblical baptism is your own personal faith mixed with obedience. That's what it is. And so truly, it wouldn't be dishonoring to your parents who baptized you as an infant for you to get baptized. In fact, the opposite would be true. It would be the greatest response of, yes, I agree with what you wanted out of my life, mama. I, I, I want what you were hoping for me. Or maybe you got baptized later in life, but you did it because someone kind of coerced you or maybe you felt pressured by your church or pressured by your family to get baptized. And so you, you did it, but it wasn't a response of faith. Then what I would say is this, that again, baptism requires faith. So if it was just you doing something to get your parents to stop bugging you, that's not the same thing. Like you, you got wet and you got a VHS tape, but baptism is a faith response to God. Maybe somebody today, your response is this, I, I just need to pray about it a little bit. No, you don't. You don't need to pray about baptism. That sounds super spiritual, but it's dead wrong. It's, it's, it's like my son, again, I'm just throwing him under the bus about mowing the lawn, but it's like my son, Hollister, go mow the lawn. And he says, Dad, I just need to pray about that a little bit. <laughs> let's just see how that, let's just see how that, let's see how that works out, bud. There are some things that, that it just commands in Scripture. Just the Lord telling you to do it. You don't need to pray about it. The idea is this, faith and obedience. So it's not, I need to pray about it and figure out if you're right, God. It's, Lord, I, whatever you want out of my life, I submit to that. Maybe you're here today, and, and for you, the idea of baptism, like you're like, actually, I would do it. I do want to leave a line of separation between Egypt and the promise. But I just didn't come ready today for that kind of a thing. Well... <clears throat> We've got hairspray, we've got towels, we've got shorts, we've got t-shirts, we've got deodorant, 
We've got Gold Bond. We've got feminine products. We've got makeup. We've got eyeshadow. Like, we got everything you need to get refreshed up after you get baptized in the bathrooms over here. I'm just saying, why wait? Yeah, but, but I don't have, like, my family's not here right now to watch me get baptized. And my question is, like, your, your family's not going to be standing with you at the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be you and him. Who are you living for the approval of? Your, your family or, or of him? So do in this moment what you would be glad you did in that moment. Besides, we're going to have professional photographers taking your picture for your family. Maybe for you it's just a matter of fear. You're, you're afraid to get baptized. And I just want to say this. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a strong mind. So today... In the words of the King James Bible, what doth hinder thee from being baptized? If your faith is in Jesus, it's your next step. That's all it is. So would you stand with me all across the room? Father, I pray that our hearts would simply surrender to you. Lord, we are independent, strong, individualistic people. But Lord, that's not even the way of your kingdom. The way of your kingdom is not the way of the individual. It's the way of a servant. So Lord, I pray you'd transform our hearts and our minds, that we would treat each other right as you would ask us to treat each other, that we'd live our lives in ways that are God. And Lord, I pray for those people that, that feel as though they have taken steps away from their past, but they're constantly being chased by it. In this moment, Lord, I pray we leave a marker in the sand, a moment we can point back to and say, it is finished once and for all. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, is there anyone under the sound of my voice that as I was speaking, even just about baptism, children of Israel, you just felt this deep need to get right with God. You just feel like God is drawing you to get right with him, and you want to do that right now. If that's you, would you put your hand up? Come on, I see that hand. I see those hands. Bold hands. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent. We're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we know don't please God. And we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Join me. God, right now, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Lord, I'm turning away from them right now. I don't want them any longer. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died was buried and rose again. And right now, I'm placing all of my faith and my hope in him. 
Say these words. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I'll follow you every day that I live. Come on, church. There's some people that just made the best decision of their entire life. Best decision of their entire life. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.